welcome back. Yes, I have returned. Some of you uh, knew I was uh, at my show at 6, and now I'm back here. It's 8. I grabbed something to drink real fast and changed my shirt so I can look like I cleaned myself. I do. I have good hygiene, actually, believe it or not. I do, but that's the, is the point. So, yes, I'm here again here on the show. Wait, thank you so much. It is 8 p.m. this time on the East Coast. Thank you so many of you for showing up and watching me talk today. I wanted to bring up something that was that that people keep talking about, and that is some of the race issues in America and constantly people talking about it, worried about this, worried about that. And Fareed did something this weekend where he spoke about race relations in America. And there were certain things that Fareed was right on the money about, as always, and certain things that he was off about. And he brought in an expert who is a Pulitzer Prize winning author, savvy, savvy woman to speak about race relations in America. And I wanted to talk about that specifically. As always, guys, do me a favor. Take the world's smallest political quiz. I bug you all the time. Please do it. It does matter. My sponsors care about it. It's how I keep the show going. It's how I, it's how I pay my team, right? It's through sponsorship. So please take that quiz and share it. It is good and important. I would like you to please do that. It helps me out tremendously. The link is in the description. But let me bring up what Fareed talks about here. Let's see if I can find a, a good, uh, see if I can bring this up right here. Uh-uh, hold on one second. And I will bring this piece up so you can see exactly what Fareed's talking about. Just over a year since George Floyd was murdered at the hands of the Minneapolis police. And it's been just over a week since Officer Derek Chauvin was sentenced for that murder. Yep. In that span, the country has seen massive protests, the removal yes. of many Confederate statues. States and municipalities have changed their laws. Schools mm-hmm. and companies changed their policies, all yep. to be more equitable and to try to remove remnants of the country's racist past. Now, I want to be forward. A lot of that stuff is good, right? A lot of it is symbolic, right? I'm, I'm not a huge fan of taking down statues, it's not the end of the world to me. Like I'm not aggressively against it, but I just, I just think it's symbolic and has no real value and often just makes people angry for no reason. But it's fine if that's your thing. It's just destruction of public property, which I'd rather you not do. But that, the part, those parts, it's fine. I would rather have it to where people are more aware, people are more empathetic. That's the piece I'm talking about, right? That's the piece that, that I want. And that part, I'm very happy about. That was, that, that was very successful. That aspect was. A president prone to racist dog whistles was voted out of office. The new president signed a law making Juneteenth a federal holiday. It would seem that the arc of history may be bending towards justice. Is Maybe. It? For the state of race in America, I wanted to talk to Annette Gordon-Reed. She is a professor at Harvard and a Pulitzer Prize-winning historian. Her new book is On Juneteenth. Nice. Annette Gordon-Reed, welcome to the show. She does not look happy. Now she's happy. Okay, good. I know this is an impossibly large question, but if somebody were to ask you, what is the state of American race relations today? Nice question. How would you answer? Well, I think it's like a river. There's uh, Mm -hmm. a surface and a deep part of it. It could be going yeah. in with cross currents. I think we're sort of in an cross interesting currents. time because we see the growth in white nationalism. We see a growth in uh, efforts to suppress the vote, which in many instances means suppressing the black vote. 
But on the other hand, you know, go through our daily lives, we seem to get along. Uh, there's not a race war going on, but yeah, th- and this is a point I want to bring up. This is a very I get what she's saying, right? She's saying, well, there's this there's this rise in nationalism and blah blah blah. That's true. There is a rise, and it's true. But a lot of that, to be fair, to to I guess both sides. Am, am I saying that right? Um, there are a lot of Americans who are nationalists, and they aren't only white, right? There are also black people who are more uh, nationalist, Hispanic people who are more nationalist. Nationalism is is on the rise. That's true. The idea of white nationalism is because it's white people, and there are more white people thinking it than than others. But if you look around, it's not only white people. So I want to be clear on that. It is there's a rise in nationalism. That's true, but I think that is a backlash to change. Again, I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's a normal thing. I think it's a human thing. When we when we start changing things, people rebel against the change. It's a common thing, particularly when they believe that it's not that when they believe they have no control or no power over the change. Right. That's the biggest thing. You find a huge chunk of people who believe they've been forgotten. And the reason is they've been forgotten. It's true. They have been forgotten. So now someone says, I, I hear you. And they think differently. So I think there is some of that. But at the same time, her point is around the money. We get along. The part that I want to bring up, and it's important for everyone to really understand this. And this is the most important thing in America today. The average American, regardless of race, regardless of ethnic background or religion, the average American doesn't care about race at all. There are people who do. Racists absolutely exist. Sexist exists. All these things, they, those people exist. I'm not saying there's nothing. It does exist. There's a nuance here. But the average American just goes, I want to take care of my own stuff. I got my own problems. I got my own issues. I don't care if this guy's black or white or Hispanic or Asian or gay. I, I don't care. I got my stuff I'm dealing with. Can I deal with my stuff? That's the average American. Now, when you throw race in their face constantly, they start going, hmm, maybe this rice thing is something. And a lot of them actually don't care. And you will literally only see most Americans raise race in two cases. One, when it's put in front of them. Or two, when they feel attacked. When they feel angry. There are a lot of people who will use racial slurs not because they're racist, because they believe it will hurt and they're being mean or nasty. Now, they will say a racist thing because they're trying to hurt or they say a misogynistic thing because they're trying to be mean and hurt someone that they'll do for sure. Cause we're humans and we get angry and we get nasty and we want to hurt others. It's what humans do. It doesn't mean they're racist. I mean, they might be again, but we're taking now everything that someone says. And I'll give you the example. If, if you're mad and you're a male and you're mad at a woman and you're really angry and you call her a slur for a woman, It doesn't necessarily mean you're misogynistic. You might be. I'm not saying you're not. But you also might be trying to hurt her because you're angry. And so you say it because you're angry and you know it will hurt. It makes you a jerk. It doesn't necessarily make you misogynist. Again, you might be. Where it's now, we're in a world where we're taking everything that could be either sexist or racist, and we're now tagging the individual as sexist or racist by default. And that's not true. That's not real, right? I'm going to bring up Lorenzo. Well done. I love this one. Hurt people hurt people. Yes, that's correct. When I'm hurt, I strike out. 
And the best example I can give you is if you've been in a close relationship with somebody, the people who are closest to you, they know how to hurt you like nobody else. And they supposedly love you. And man, can they put that knife in your heart. And if you've been in that, you know what I'm talking about. Does it mean they hate you? In fact, the reverse is true. They probably love you and they're so hurt by what you've done or what they believe you've done. They just want to hurt you back. And they'll say the most horrible stuff to just punish you. You've said it and you've received it because you're human. Race and gender is sometimes similar. So Hall Crash says the statues are moved to places like museums or sold. Did some get vandalized? Yes, they were sadly about 20. Yeah, and I think it's a better bet. I like the idea of them being moved to places or being sold. Right. I love that. Right. The the idea that the state paid for these things in the first place makes me upset. So it's better if you sell them off. Then yeah, I, I like that idea. Yes. 100 percent So all right, let me keep going if I can. There seem to be people who w- wish to foment one. Let me tell you how I, I look at it and tell me if I'm wrong. I do think there's been an enormous amount of progress made. Yes. Um, you know, He's blacks right. are more integrated into every echelon of American society, whether college, grad school, professional life. You look at the protests with what happened to George Floyd, and it seemed to me that for the first time they were truly multicultural and lots yes. of white people involved. All you true. have Juneteenth becoming a holiday. So there is real progress. It's not just that we're getting on. Day. Now, the Juneteenth piece, I mean, the, the anger and hate over Juneteenth, I mean, I, you saw the show last week on this. Look, Juneteenth is another, Columbus Day is a holiday. So what? If you don't like Juneteenth, don't celebrate Juneteenth. If you don't care about Columbus, they don't celebrate Columbus Day. What do I care? I don't know. I get that some people don't like Juneteenth. Totally fine. You don't have to like every holiday. It's fine if you don't like Juneteenth. I don't care. I don't like it. But why the hate against it? Just go, whatever. Go celebrate Juneteenth. I'm not gonna. Some people don't celebrate St. Patrick's Day or whatever. What, whatever's your thing. It's fine. But- the one thing I don't like about Juneteenth is they called it an Independence Day. That I think is bad. It should be called Emancipation Day. And then it's a separate holiday from Independence Day. It's not about America becoming free. It's about all the slaves becoming free. It's about us as America going, we're done with slavery. Let's make it Emancipation Day. Better holiday. And if you like it, awesome. Celebrate it. If you don't, why are you mad? Now, Juneteenth is, is symbolic. And so were the protests. A lot of protests were symbolic. But those symbolic protests were important. It was good to see everybody mixed together saying cops shouldn't kill people. That's a a good thing. I'm not unhappy with those protests. Wouldn't you say? Oh, I I would. But you surely, I'm thinking of the starting point. Yes, we've had made an enormous amount of progress. Yes. At the same time, I don't think we can ignore the fact, the sort of warning signs of of dissent from this idea that we should get. No, 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 no. She's wrong here. I know, Larry, who are you? She's uh whatever, I don't care. She's wrong here. When you see the backlash, that's a good thing. And I know you're saying yourself, what? Larry, backlash is good. There's a part of backlash that's good. That means it's working. So the problem is you don't want to go too far. And my worry is we are going far too far. We are really going too far, right? And the backlash becomes too much. You want a little bit of pushback because that means you're moving forward. The problem is we've had two or three horrible pushbacks. The first one was um, the the pushback for um, uh, uh, the, the Civil Rights Act, which was the war on drugs. 
that was devastating to people of color. Took to the black community. I was devastated. That pushback was devastating. That was horrible. We don't want that much. We want a little bit of pushback. There was pushback as gay rights became much more mainstream, and that was pushback against the trans community. And that was bad too. For the gay community, just for that community, it wasn't as bad for the gay community, right? They didn't take the brunt of that. The trans community took the brunt of that of that. But even that's starting to push back a little bit. But there's still pushback there. You do want any group, you want a little bit of push and pull as we don't rush ahead too far. But the problem is, if you're the person who's being oppressed, you want to be unoppressed now. You don't want to wait. But the problem is, humans don't work that way. We just don't change that fast. We just don't, culture doesn't change that fast. So you have to go and look at yourself and go, okay, are we in the right direction? We are good. Let's keep marching. We're going the right direction. Let's keep marching versus going, we're not going there fast enough. I'll drag you along by the hair. That's not going to go well. And that's my worry. So I don't think there should be a but in her conversation. It should just be, yeah, there's, we're doing well. Let's keep going. That's what I feel. I think that makes everybody feel good because here's the other part. You have a part of our, our country that says, okay, look, I don't want to move any further. Nothing's wrong. To hell with all you people. I'm angry. That's one part. Another part going, yeah, we're moving. Awesome. What? It's not fast enough for you? Man, now you're ungrateful. There's that part. What are you, ungrateful? We're moving forward. That's one part. Another part goes, we're moving forward. Why are you talking about this? Please stop talking about this. We're moving. There's another part, right? And each of those parts are going to give you a backlash. I get it. The only I want the furthest one to be the one going, why are you guys talking about it? I want that to be the, the furthest one. Other people just go, well, I'm with you. And if you're moving at the right direction, that's that's the people just going, oh, are we still talking about this? I thought we we're doing well. Can we just keep going? I want the country to be closer to that than anything else. So let me grab a couple of comments if I can. Tommy says, when it comes to this topic, I tend to cling to the work that Robert Kennedy and Martin L. King done. I feel that the new American mission is to reunite and stop dividing. Right here in Indiana, in Indianapolis, there's a statue of these two gentlemen reaching towards each other through a brick wall. I worked earlier tonight, Washington County, and this whole republic. I agree, and I think right now what we're doing is not you know, And I'm going to cover something. We'll come back to this, Tommy, because you're right. That's my point. We're going so far too fast that we're starting to break people up and divide again. And I don't want that, right? I do want some push and pull. Any... Any good culture has some push and pull. But you pull too much, you start pulling us apart. It's, it's a valid point. And then Lorenzo says, do you think America will divide into small countries in the future? I'm thinking the Roman Empire. Um, I don't know if we can, Lorenzo. And the reason why I say it is, it isn't like we have that huge different cultures state by state geographically. We have it by urban and rural, which makes it tougher. It makes us much more like Yugoslavia than the Roman Empire. In the Roman Empire, Spaniards had a different culture than Italians, different culture than Romanians, different culture than the Gauls, different cultures as a group. So even Gaulish villages and Gaul and Gaul cities, or Gaelic, what did I call it? Gaelic, right? Would it be Gaelic? I think Gaelic, whatever, whatever, whatever is the uh, uh, current, uh, whatever is the appropriate term, the the cities of Gaul. Were, were not as similar as the Roman cities were. I mean, they were Roman cities, but they were very much Gaul. In America, most of our cities are very similar in the way they think. 
and most of our rural and suburban areas are very similar in the way they think. So how do you break up, you know, M- Mississippi versus, I don't know, um, Virginia versus New York, when if you go to the suburbs and the rural areas of New York, they're very red, just like the rural areas of Mississippi are. And the cities of Mississippi are very blue, just like the, the cities of New York are. So I don't know if it'll be that easy. I think it's kind of difficult to do that. So David says, Emancipation Day makes a lot more sense. 100%. I think that should be the point, right? I really think that should be the point. Yes. So, yeah. Corey says, yes, push and pull suggests people are engaged and on topic. Yeah, I do want some push and pull. 100%. 100%. Um, good point. Roman Empire has been a two, one half Byzantine, Greek, the other half Latin. Yes, I mean, there were two separate codes. There was a Greek culture in the Roman Empire. And there was a Latin culture in the Roman Empire. There were two separate cultures. So I think that's really the, the piece. Absolutely. So Michelle says, everybody watching, hit that like button. Yes, she's right. If you're watching, hit the like button. Why are you not? You're, you're watching. Hit the like button. Why aren't you doing that? Like, comment, and share. Please do that. Hit that like button. She's right. Please do it right now. But if you can, subscribe. If you're watching on, on, on Twitter, if you're watching on Facebook, whatever you're watching, please go ahead. And and do that. I would appreciate it tremendously. She is correct. Thank you, Michelle, for that. I do appreciate that. Let me go a little bit further if I can. Along. And uh, we have to be concerned about that. Do you think that the kind of things you're worried about are a backlash to the things I was talking about? Yes. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yes. I think we're still in something of a backlash from having had a black president. Uh, we no. do know that throughout history, anytime there's been a sort of visible advance of African-American mm-hmm. people, there's a backlash and then things settle down and there's. I got to tell you, um, the vast majority of Americans didn't care that Obama was black. Some did again, some did. There's no question. There are people who did the vast majority didn't care. They cared far more about what was happening with the country in general than the fact that he was black. So again, some did, but I mean, that's probably less than 10% of Americans cared that he was black. Most didn't care. They were like, whatever, just, can, can I be better? The reality what people don't understand is after 2008, there was virtually no recovery in America except in, in our cities. It forced people to go to cities that have any real opportunity in most cases. I've I mentioned this that a million times. I'll keep mentioning it. After 2008, 80% of all new jobs somehow came out of 20, new, 20 cities. That's it. 80% of jobs came out of 20 cities. Wow. So people had to rush to cities. There was no recovery. That's when what was happening, all the addiction problems were happening. That's when white Americans had to feel the war on drugs. That's when all that stuff happened. Everything was going bad. And as it was going bad, who was the president? Him. So people thought, oh, it's all his fault. That's the biggest issue right there. More than race. I know people say it. I'm telling you, ask average Americans. The average person was so was far more concerned that their country was having problems than the fact that he was black. If you ask, you remember the story? Keep your, the sign, keep your government hands off my Medicare. Remember that? Yeah, keep your government hands off my Social Security. They didn't even know. They were just mad. They were like, oh, I hate Obamacare, but I love the ACA. That was a common problem. Progress, and then there's another backlash, and you know we have this cycle going on, and I think we're in the midst of that right now. It is a backlash, but not 
it has we haven't gone back obviously to to the bad old days, but we have to be vigilant about this. So I guess what my saying is I know I don't want people to, to be days. complacent about uh, the idea that progress is inevitable. There is no. It is no progress is inevitable. That no, it is inevitable. To think that progress is not inevitable is to not understand history. It's inevitable. We will progress. There'll be bumps in the road. That's for sure. There will be bumps in the road. But progress is inevitable. It will happen. That's how it works. Bumps in the road for sure. Right? For sure. But the most important piece here is, and what many of you might see, I I hope you see, while race is an issue in our country, of course it is. It's everywhere. The biggest issues we find, though, are cultural. That's the biggest issue. You find lots of people who are on both sides, who are progressive or conservative, but who are white or black or Hispanic and all those things. You do find both. I mean, history has no end. It has no side. And we Mm -hmm. just have to keep at it. And the only way to do that, I think, is not to become complacent about our situation, even though you're right, we should mark progress when it happens. And what do you make of- That's the part that bothers me tremendously is that it's almost like right now in our country, we have no nuance. We have two sides, that, that the loudest sides. Let me be clear on this. The two loudest sides. One side says, racism doesn't exist. It's not a problem. Nobody's racist. No systemic, no nothing. There's no problems. All you people are just bad and lazy or dumb or whatever. That, that's side one. Another side is, oh, Black people are still slaves. Every white person is an evil racist. That's the other side. They're both wrong. They're both wrong. Things are way better and getting better. They're not perfect. There are systemic issues that still exist and we have to work on them and we can change the laws and we can end the war on drugs, right? I mean, there are things we can do to make things better, but it's not black and white. Yes, pun intended of these efforts to, um, to look back, uh, to, to kind of have a reckoning with, um, the, with American history, things like the 1619 Project. You know, there's one side that says, look, th- it's very important to look plainly and frankly mm-hmm. at America's history, which has a great deal of racism. And there are others who worry it's going so far that mm-hmm. we will not honor the country's founders like Jefferson and Washington anymore. Where, where do you come up? And my point is, Why can't you do both? I spoke about this two days ago. This came up in my AMA. And I'll bring it up again. Why can't we do both? Why can't we realize that, in this case, the men, the men who are our founders, they were amazing men for their time with their flaws. They weren't gods. They were human beings with flaws. But they, for their time, they were amazing for their time. They sacrificed a lot for their time. And that's the issue, for their time. If I judge any of them by today's standards, they're terrible people. But why would I do that? It's unfair to them. People will judge me 100 years from now and be like, that guy's a jerk because of this thing that we now believe. Of course that's going to happen. If we judge people by our standards today, basically anybody born before 1995 is horrible. Just done. Probably probably 2001 is horrible. But you're you're just terrible. So you want to look at them and judge them by their contemporaries, by their peer group. And relatively, they were amazing men with all their flaws. So why can't we announce their flaws? 
We revere people like Caesar as a great general or whatever. That guy believed in slavery too. He was all about torturing people. Does that mean we can't listen to him? Napoleon was an amazing general. Yeah, not the best guy in the world, right? I mean, these are bad people by today's standards. But then, my God, they're, they're, these, these are people who were good at what they did, right? So I think we can do both. Let's explain what actually happened. And the, the thing I bring up constantly is people ask me, Larry, who's your favorite president? And I will almost always say George Washington. Why? Oh, my God, why? Because he actually stepped down. He set the precedent for the peaceful transfer of power for the rest of our nation. Without that, doesn't happen. And uh, to his peer group, people are contemporaries, who in the world in 1800 was stepping down from power? Um, that would be nobody. Nobody with any power on the planet was stepping down from power voluntarily and accepting somebody else to take their spot without war or death or pain or something. He just walked away. That's why. But Larry, he was a slave owner. He was. And so were a bunch of our founding fathers. I can't blame them for that. I can't judge him for that. But here's what I do judge him for. I judge him for not freeing his slaves upon his death. That was messed up. That was wrong. And I would judge Washington by that. And I should. Why? Because others in the contemporary world did that. Jefferson freed his slaves when he died. Right? George Washington didn't have, a, didn't have any children, but his wife, his wife was wealthy enough to pay for servants and to have a, a great lifestyle without slaves. Washington could have freed his slaves on his death and he didn't. And that screwed up. For that, I judge him as a flaw. Still a great president compared to every other person on the planet at the time. Still amazing that he stepped down. He's just a human being with flaws and with good things. Both. Jefferson was having sex with his slaves. But he freed him. Okay, in his world, still good. So I know that may seem weird, but I think we have to do that. It's, it's unfair not to. So I don't want to make them gods or perfect. They aren't. So let's talk about the flaws. Our country has tons of flaws. We can talk about it and then say, compared to all the other countries out there at the time, where would you rather live? That's where I'm going. Well, I don't think that there's it makes sense to assume that just because people talk about 1619 or people raise mm -hmm. the issue of slavery, that that means that people don't love the country. African-American people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. She's right. However, there's a huge however here. She's correct. Just because I talk about American history constantly, the good and the bad all the time. I love my country. I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't think that it was, it was, it was a, a country that could be, better and better and better. I want to fix it and make it better and better. Of course. It's about how bad my state is, but I still want to fix it. She's right. The problem is there is a loud group of people who openly despise the nation. When those people who are loud yell that they despise the nation, the nation's built on something horrible, the nation's horrible, the nation's bad, you make people want to run away from you. You make people not want to be around you. You make people think you're the enemy. Instead, do something closer to what I'm doing, which is the country's still great. We just got to keep making it better. The average American goes, yeah, let's do that. Let's make the country better. And the most important piece, not by blaming each other, but instead by taking responsibility and changing the things to make it better. That's the issue. I've been among the most patriotic people 
in this country from the this very, very beginning. African-American men and now women have fought in every yeah, war but, but those are soldiers. that the country has ever so had. That's off. They've up, tried to uphold the values of this country. Yep. We've been the people who've been pointing to the Declaration as America's creed and yep. as something that's an important part of what it means to be an American. And yet we have a critique of the country as well. I mean, sure. I, you know, I, She's right. I have said, you know, loving something doesn't mean that you take an uncritical stance towards it. Agree. If you really want a person or things to be better, you have to deal realistically with them and you have to have. And not blame them. Yes. And not blame them. That's correct. Right. Be realistic and not blame them. How's it going to work if I go to my wife and go, you did this and you're wrong. And that's not going to work. It's not going to go well. And if you have a significant other in your life, you know what I'm talking about. Not going to go well. And you've always been this way and you've always been mean and blah, blah. that's not going to go well. But if I say, hey, I care about this marriage or relationship or whatever you're in. Can we work together to make it better? We got a shot now. It still may not work, but at least we have a chance. At least at this point, now we're having a conversation. Maybe we can fix this thing. But man, man, what do we do? I'm going to blame my, my wife from being bad and me. That's not going to go well. And that's what the loud left is doing. She does a little bit of that too. Let me grab a couple more comments if I can. You guys give me a lot of good comments. I appreciate this. So uh, Logic says, one problem, progressives aren't progressive. They are regressive. They have become that. That's kind of what Republicans were probably 40 years ago or so. And the pendulum has, has totally changed. And now really Democrats have become, the left has become very regressive. Um, that's true. It's why so many people are running towards the right now versus running towards the left because they don't feel welcomed on the left. They feel like the left always is judging them and punishing them. That's how they feel. Jonathan says, how do we manage to exercise ourselves from polarized politics, which contribute to divide? Um, watching my show. Actually, it's focusing on, but watch my show. But it's focusing actually on uh, the, it's focusing on the solutions versus the reasons. Focusing on the solutions. That's how you do it. Most people, if you focus on solutions, will at least hear you and you can move them towards you. So yeah, Jericho says, I think most people would agree that the sides are not that extreme in real life. It's presented that way mostly in the media. Most of us would be considered the alt middle, I guess. I think that's true. The problem is when you're in the middle, you tend to go with whoever will accept you more. And the example that I give often is, is uh, someone like Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson, I don't think was really embraced by the right when he first came on the scene. But once he's had his comments about um, uh, trans, uh, the, the, the Canadian law when it, comes to, when it comes to trans pronouns, I think that was correct. At that point, the left began to beat him up harshly and the right accepted him. So he moved to the right. I'm not saying he would, would, would or would not have gone that way anyway. I don't know him well enough to know that. But that was a clear example of watching it. He felt attacked by one side and the other side opened their arms. And I told many of you, that happened to me too when I ran for, for governor. The left was insanely dismissive towards me, very negative and dismissive and acting like I'm just some crazy kook idiot. The right was open to talking to me. So I spent more time talking to the right and I found myself moving more towards the right. If you've noticed recently, I've gone out of my way to be talking to the left because I realized that I, I had an unconscious bias against the left 
but I didn't, I didn't purposely create, like I wasn't thinking I'm gonna get those lefties. I wasn't thinking that at all. It just happened. And it was kind of unconscious as I was being accepted more by the right and being dismissed by the left. I think that's what winds up happening, Jericho. You, you start to, cause you're, most of us are in the middle and we move towards the group that will accept us more. And if you go back several, maybe 30 years or so, that used to be the left. It's not anymore. Now it's the right that accepts you more. The right just goes, do you, do you hate socialism? We love you. Come on in. That's all I care about. We'll take you. And it used to be the reverse when it came to the left. That's not the case anymore. Lorenzo says, um, agreed. I see the media wants to push out the extremes to push certain agendas. It's easy to do that. Yes. Very easy to do that. Yes. Jamie says, Pew Research 2008 presidential election. Whites made up 76.3% of the record 131 million people who voted in in November's presidential election, while Blacks made up 12.1, Hispanics 7.4, and Asians 2.5. The white share is the lowest ever, yet still higher than 65.8% white share of the total U.S. population. So if all Black people sit home and did not vote, Barack Obama would still be the president. Keep voting Democrat, being the victim. Uh, I think what you're saying is that white people voted for for Obama. I think that's where Jamie's going. And I would agree. White people did vote for Obama. That's my, my point. It, it wasn't that he was black for the vast majority of Americans. Again, the, I, I want to make, I keep saying this. I don't want you, I don't want to be black and white here. There are racist people in America. They absolutely exist. There are people who hated Obama because he was black. Absolutely. I'm just saying they are a small minority of Americans. The average American doesn't care. They just want to live their life well. They don't care. Most Americans don't even care who who the president is because they don't vote for the president. So they don't even vote for him. Tom says it's a good metaphor. Judge them by their peers. Yes, Babe Ruth hit more home runs than most teams in his time. Yes, and you know what I'll say, and I'll bring this up. People say, who, what team was the best football team of all time? And I always say the same thing. The early 70s Miami Dolphins. Why? They were the only team ever to go undefeated the entire season. And on top of it, they were the only team in the Super Bowl to keep the offense to zero points. They shut the offense out. That there was some, the offense did the, the other team did score, but it was the, the, the defense that scored. They picked up a fumble and scored. They kept the offense to zero. They shut the they shut the offense out. And I go, wait a minute, Larry. There are teams that would beat them now. Yes, but I'm judging them by their peers. If I judge them by their peers, there is no NFL football team better than the early '70s Miami Dolphins. There we go. Thank you, Tom. So, all right. Um, so if I can keep going here, uh, let's see. John, this is Frederick Douglass. Perfect example. He is actually right here. Frederick Douglass is right here on my wall. Is that the correct? A former slave. Still loved America. Just wanted to make it better. And went out of his way to make it better. Yeah. Out of his way. Yes. Sam says, healthy marriages don't rehash things from their first year. The same is true of healthy countries. Hashing up issues from 400 years ago, AK 1619. It's a valid point, right? You, you, if you're going to bring it up because there are people, say, for example, you want to tell your children, right, about how you and your spouse got along and the problems you had, and you want to kind of show them, look, we had these problems, you shouldn't have them, try to avoid the things that we did. That would make sense, but that would only be healthy if you're using the history to teach your children to hopefully show them how to be more successful and how to get around certain things. That would make sense. But if I rehash them, as your point is, rehash them, so I can blame my spouse for it all being their fault, yeah, that's not going to go over well at all. I completely agree. Yes. 
So um, Lati says, makes sense. I consider myself a libertarian as well. And all my YouTube friends are either conservative or libertarian too. There we go. Uh, see if I can keep doing this. Um, what do libertarians think about antitrust policy? Generally, antitrust laws are carried out by big government, but for reasons that I believe the LP would support, pro-competition. Yeah, this antitrust laws become a, a, a very sensitive topic for many libertarians. Right. As a general rule, what you would rather do as a general whenever possible, and I bring this up often, is you don't want to try to knock down Goliaths. You want to, whenever possible, create a whole lot more Davids so that they can easily knock down the Goliaths and they can become Goliaths themselves. So the policy should always move towards allowing more Davids to grow. But if there is a system set up like regulatory capture or something like that to where the monopoly is basically so strong, you can't create Davids. I think most libertarians are like, knock them down because you do want to create competition. And if they had an unfair advantage because of other laws, which is what usually monopolies are created by government, sometimes intentionally, sometimes not, but usually it's created by government. In that case, we don't mind using government to stop government, if that makes any sense. So generally speaking, libertarians want to have a world where more Davids grow to knock down Goliaths naturally. If that isn't the case because of the system, most libertarians will say, yeah, knock them down. That's not all. That's many. So I hope that was that was clear. There we go. All right. Um, let's see here. Um, being of the LGBT community too, my conservative friends accept me because we agree upon quite a few issues. Yeah, and I'll go with gay, bi, trans, lesbian issues, whatever, queer issues. Most Americans don't care. Just let me live my life. Most don't care. There are some people who are totally bigots and can't stand you because you're not like them. They exist. But the average American's like, whatevs, man. Just let me be, right? That's it. That's all. So let me go a little bit further with her. She's we're almost done. Um, you know, a, a hope, and I think most African Americans have had that hope that the yep. country can be better. James Baldwin says he criticized yes. the country because he loved. Perfect it. example. And that's I mean that's my stance on it. Gay black there's man. A line in Perfect. your book where you you uh, quote W. E. B. Du Bois, who says there is a fundamental tension between Americanness and blackness. Explain that, and do you mm-hmm. think it's getting resolved? Well, I there's, think what he was referring to is there, the yeah. fact that American, black Americans have existed in the country as second-class citizens. And- yeah, that, that's a valid point, right? And, and I tell, I am very lucky in that in my life, the amount of racism, overt racism that I've experienced was nothing compared to my father or my grandfather. Nothing compared to them, right? Rel- again, relatively, because it is far better than it's ever been. My father was literally smashed in the head with an old style can opener because he was sitting at a table with a white woman. True story. If you remember the old beers and such in the 60s and the 50s, you need that little can would pop the beer bottle open, smash the man, open up his skull uh, stitches from that because he was sitting at a table with a white woman. They weren't even dating. They were just friends. They weren't even dating. I mean, dating, forget him, I killed him. But yes, so he, I never dealt with something like that, right? But he dealt with that. So of course you feel as a black person in those worlds, you know, wow, is, is, is my country, does my country accept this, right? And of course, no one was arrested, right? Not, he didn't even report it because he didn't believe, he thought he would get arrested instead. So he just took it and the girl grabbed him and they left. That's what happened. So in, in that case, I get it. There was a tension, but that tension should be a whole lot less now. Is there still going to be tension? Sure. 
There are still there are still things like the war on drugs. There are still things like redlining that exist. There are still issues that exist in the country. So is there a tension? Yeah, but no one like it was. It is better. It is better. And we've lived in a place that we've loved and known our families in, had great mm-hmm. experiences in, had hopes for. Yep. And many in the country don't have not accepted us fully as American citizens. And so that creates a tension that okay. African Americans That part's not true. And this is the part that bothers me tremendously. Are there systemic issues that hurt black people more than others? Yes. Those issues exist. But she didn't say that. And that's the problem with so many people. They're not saying that. They're not saying, you know what? We can see that when it comes to criminal justice, there is some data that's crystal clear, right? That's true. There is some. But the problem that I have is she goes, people haven't accepted us. No, the average American absolutely has. Again, I want to be clear. There are some people, they exist who hate black people. It's true. They exist. But the average American doesn't care and does never, the average white person doesn't wake up in the morning and go, hmm, there's a black over there, second class citizen. They don't do that. The white guy doesn't care. He goes, black guy, whatever. And he goes to work. Doesn't care. So that's just, that part is, it goes back to something I keep saying. You can't tell me that it's a broken system and keep blaming the individual. Either American people are all racist. That's option one. It's not that option. But that's option one. If you're going to say that, then just say that. And that's it. Then that's what you believe. And you're basically racist. It's fine. That's who you are. Or say there are some systemic issues that we can still fix and repair. But that means the individual isn't the racist. It's the system that is a problem that we need all Americans to get behind to repair and fix. I like that one way better than all Americans are racist. So I'm going to go with that one. I like that one better. Americans have had to resolve over the years. And people ask you, how can you love a country that treats you this way, where you're treated in this fashion? And so that creates the dilemma that Du Bois was talking about. Yeah, um, not a not a bad um, look, I think, in general for that. Not a bad look in general for that. So, but anyway, I hope that was good. Let me grab a, a couple of uh, comments here and I'll keep going. All right, so... Sam says, relevant questions, where are we going? Where are we now? How do we get there? The world becomes more authoritarian as people refuse to take responsibility for themselves. Yeah. Yes. I, I think we need to be responsible for ourselves and to the people that we care about, right? I hope that's a large group of people, but for some people it's a small group. But I hope that we care. I do. Society's being manipulated to bring up issues like 1619, though. How do we combat manipulation? You've hit a a very valid point here. I'm not against 1619 Project. I'm against the way it's being taught and the punishment that comes from it, right? To talk about history, awesome. Please do that. I did it. If you you look last year, I did a Juneteenth special last year, and I covered 1619 all the way to today. But what I did do was go, and it's your fault, Jonathan. It's all you. I didn't do that. I said, this is what happened. Can we have some empathy for each other and see what happened and how the government literally created an environment that pit us against each other? So if you're going to go down that route, 1619 is fine. But the other thing is people are worried that now the reverse will happen and now we'll go 1776 and America is perfect and our our founding fathers are basically gods. No, they were just human beings. That's the issue. They were just human beings.
Is Baldwin a good one to read for Libertarian, Larry? Um, sure. I wouldn't call a number one, but yeah. Sure. Yes. Yes. Uh, Loving versus Virginia. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yes. Hard to believe we had to have a SCO decision to defend our right to marry who we want. Yes. Absolutely. Very, very popular. 100%. Yes. We should be able to marry who we want to marry. Absolutely true. So I want to show something that's, that's, that's kind of interesting. I want to talk. Let me go down this road if I can. This one is from Babylon B. It's, it's funny what's happened with racism. And it's, it's a parody, but I think it's very important, right? It's a parody, but I think it's very funny. So let me see if I can grab this one here if I can. Hold on. Hold on. Some of you may have seen this. It's, it, it's actually from... Um, it was it's actually on Facebook. It's time we made a comeback. Racism is hot. We practically invented it. So here's the plan. First, we'll start pushing for some a segregated drinking fountain. Actually, see now this is a joke, right? It's all these are the obvious racist people, right? Which is funny, and I say it often. If you're actually a racist, well, wear the hood, right? It's fine. Wear the hood. If you're actually a Nazi, please wear the armband. Why? I want to know where you are. Like, I want to know you're the actual Nazi. You're the actual KKK guy. Those people exist. If they would wear the hood and the armband, we would know. Okay, that's the guy. There he is. He's over there. We would know. And we could call him a racist. And here's the funny part. You've heard me say this a thousand times if you watch my show. We're using the word racist so often it no longer has meaning anymore. That's a real problem. That's a real problem. And you've heard me say it. When you call an average person racist, they don't like it. But when, you know who does have no problem being called a racist? A racist. They're like, yeah, I'm a racist. Yeah, it's fine. You can call me that. I'm I'm wearing the armband or I'm wearing the hood. I'm, I'm good with that. They're okay with it. But now we're making it to a point where now it has no meaning. In fact, now you're finding people that when you call them this, they go, okay, I'm a racist, whatever. I guess we're all racist. It winds up having no power. It is a terrible idea. There are racist people who are a problem. They exist. But when you call everybody this, you literally say, you protect the actual racist by calling everybody racist. And you also something else. You push the person in the middle towards the racist. The hardcore loud left right now is literally making Nazis. They are literally making racists because they're pushing people away from them into the arms of people who are actually racist. And they're making the person now apologize for the racist because they feel bad because they've been called one too. It's not helpful at all. It's very harmful. This might sound weird, but that's not racist anymore. Come again now. Segregation isn't racist. Can you believe yes. that? But there are all kinds of new ways to be racist. Oh, uh, well, oh okay. Well, yeah, okay. See, the race is like that. They're like, oh, there's new ways. Let's do the new racism. We're going to be cool. Let's do all the new racism. They're, they're racist, so they like it. Well, okay, Glenn, let's hear it then. Next time you see an African-American, you tell them this. You don't see color at all. That sounds... Not racist. It's racist now. Can you believe that? 
We can be racist and congenial all at the same time. I'm not so Look sure. Look at that. You could just say, I don't see race. Boom. And now you're racist. But the old racist guy's mad. He's like, wait a minute. That sounds like I'm not being racist. But I want to be racist because he's a racist. Wait, wait. I got more. If you see a person of Japanese descent, you mispronounce his name. So you're saying the next time I talk to Takahashi down the street. Skip over that H. Make it silent. Bing, bang, boom. Racism. This ain't a racism. <laughs> what happened to good old-fashioned hating people? The hating was the best part. It's exhausting. Isn't that what racism's about? It's about hating people? Isn't that what it's about? It's not anymore. Now you're a racist if you say something people don't like. Now, should you say something people don't like? No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. But that's not racist. You know what that is? It's insensitive. So maybe you're insensitive. Or maybe you're a jerk. Maybe. Or maybe you're just angry. All of those things. But you don't, doesn't mean you're a racist. Or maybe you said something racist. And the thing you said could be taken as racist, which is possible too. Maybe you say something that could be taken as racist. You, hey, you know what? Someone could take that as racist. Oh, okay. You're not calling me a racist. You're saying something I said someone could take it. Now we get to have a conversation and not stop pointing fingers and calling people names. Now, we just say all lives matter and we're racist. But all lives don't matter. I know that. You know that. Yeah. All lives matter is now racist, but the racist person actually doesn't believe that because they don't think black lives matter. They think only white lives matter because they're a racist. That's kind of how that works. So he, so the racist is like, but all lives don't matter. I'm a racist, right? Yeah. If we want to compete in this new racist landscape, we got to get with the times. What about thinking the most qualified person for a job is a person who should be hired? Big time racism. What if I ask a black person to be quiet? Racism. Even though I work at the library? Still racism. Okay, what if I ask someone who is not white where they originally came from? We got ourselves a regular David Duke over here. What about we wearing a Hawaiian shirt? Hey, Voice a minority character on a hit animated TV show? Dick Kyle. Fall in Dick love Kyle. with an African-American woman? Have a long, fruitful marriage? And you're still white in that scenario? Yes, sir, just like Bill Burr. Racist! Just by default, right? Just by default racist. Nah, he's A-okay. That's racist too! What? Doing this with your hand. If you do this, you're racist. A-okay! 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 You are diluting my racism, and I don't like it. Racism is hatred. It's looking down on someone as subhuman, simply on account of the color of their skin. I always thought that's what racism was. It was looking down on someone or thinking they're subhuman based upon the color of their skin. Isn't that if, if someone were to believe that, say that, espouse that act accordingly, I would call that person a racist. I think everybody watching, if someone were to espouse that, say that act accordingly, you would go, yeah, that guy's a racist. I don't think anybody would fight you. But because you said the wrong thing, that now makes you racist, and that's a problem. Again, I, the nuance matters. I say it's not black and white. Is it possible something you said is insensitive? Sure, people say these things, maybe in anger, maybe out of ignorance. Maybe. Maybe they thought it was the right answer. Who knows? It doesn't make you racist. Not by default. It means you might be insensitive or maybe ignorant. Let's have a conversation.
How about that? You water it down like that, it becomes nothing. I mean, if everything is racist, nothing is. Yeah. Have you guys heard about critical race theory? Get this. We don't have to do anything to be racist. CRT says we're racist simply because we're white. That's all it takes. CRT. That's no racism. It's pure laziness. Plain and simple. So he's mad because it's lazy. He's like, see, you can't just be white and racist. I've been busting my butt to be racist this whole time. You guys are lazy. And I'll reject it. This here is for the black students, and this here is for the white students. Why? Because I'm racist. <laughs> Come at me. It's very forward thinking. I love this. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, um, so he's literally, if the guy says, I'm doing this because I'm racist, come at me. Because he's racist. That, that's the point. If you look at most people who are racist, they're okay with, they're not upset. They're like, yes, yes, they wanted to be that, and they can't. I know it's kind of crazy. I know. But I just want you guys to see that. I thought it was an interesting one. So I, I hope you guys thought that was cool. So, yes. I'm going to see if I can do this here. Um, Sam says, I care about Larry Sharp, and that's why I like, comment, share. Thank you. Take the service and then on Patreon. Thank you. I hope everyone listening does some combination of these consistently. Thank you, Sam. I appreciate it. Yes, I know that not all of you can swing to 10 bucks a month. I get it. Some of you can't do it. I understand. Can you take my quiz? World's smallest quiz. Click that link. It does matter. It keeps my sponsors happy. Please do that. Take it and then share it. It does matter. And of course, like, comment, and share, right? If you're watching it, please like it, comment, and share. It does matter. It gets the algorithms going. So I get shadow banned all the time. In case you guys haven't noticed, I get shadow banned, 30 days shadow banned, 30 days shadow I get like four days, uh, maybe a month where I'm not shadow banned. Maybe. I get shadow banned constantly. The only way I get around the shadow banning is you guys liking, commenting, and sharing. That's the only way I get around. That's why I bug you so much. I bug you so much because it's the way I get around the shadow ban. If you don't share and comment, I, I don't get shared around. Facebook and YouTube, they don't like me. You know why. So, yeah, please do that if you can. And to the best of my ability, your best ability, please subscribe to the Sharp Way pages. I do a lot of stuff only on Sharpway now because I need you to start subscribing because when they cancel me off of Letter Sharp, I got to have a place to go to keep this going. So please subscribe. If you don't want to hear the ding, then don't click the bell. Please click the bell. But it's okay. Follow me on Twitter too. And of course, Sharpway all on, on Facebook. By the way, separate piece I want to bring up, Spotify Green Room. If you guys know what that is, that is basically a competitor to Clubhouse. I will be on the Green Room Spotify tomorrow at 7 p.m. It's basically um, a, a, a clubhouse that you don't have to be invited to. Just download the phone app, jump on board, and I will be there. Um, I'll be talking um, about do we own anything anymore? The idea of right to repair and also a renter's environment, right? Everything's renter, not really uh, an ownership mentality anymore. So I'm covering that, and you can come on and talk to me directly. It's just like Clubhouse. Ask your question directly. Talk me directly. Spotify Green Room this Thursday, tomorrow, 7 p.m. Eastern. Download the phone app. Come on aboard. That will then become a podcast, and it will go into our podcast piece. So it will become a podcast. You could listen to the podcast later if you want to. 
Um, that will be on our other click our link tree. You'll find all of our podcasts. They're all right there. So I appreciate all your support, guys. Please, it's it's awesome. I do appreciate it. So let me keep going down if I can. All right. Um, let's see if I can go here. Um, let's see. Mm-mm-mm. Um, let's be real. Half of the BML rallies full of white people carrying BLM signs and simping for the black community. Sometimes white people even literally kissing the boots of black men asking for forgiveness. Well, I, you're exaggerating, but yes, and that's a good thing, isn't it? It's a good thing that when there's a problem, not only the people who are affected show up, everybody shows up. That's what it should be, right? Yeah. Matt says, awesome point about dealing with as a systemic problem, but still too many want to deny that it is as well. Agreed, Matt, right? I, how in the world, this is the problem. People talk about the idea of white supremacy. It drives me crazy. Well, Larry, aren't there aren't there systems that are based upon whiteness? Yes, there are some. That's true. There's a big however here. So if that's true, and some of them are built based on, and I'll give you an example, would be gun, gun control. Gun control was first implemented because they wanted to keep guns out of former slaves' hands. Now, if you were white, that would kind of make sense. You probably don't want your former slave having the gun coming after you. Still wrong, but I could understand why you would pass that law, right? You you were whipping that slave last week, and now he's going to have a gun? Eh, maybe I don't want you having a gun. I, I get that. Again, that makes sense. But that was based upon a white supremacy rule. Well, look at where it is now. Now it affects everybody. So that's a systemic problem that was based upon white supremacy. So why am I now blaming the individual for that? Why don't I just accept that that's what it was based upon? It was a bad idea then, understandable for the people then, but still a bad idea. And it's a bad idea now. So instead of me going, you Matt, white guy, it's all your fault, we can't have guns. That's one one answer. The other answer is, Matt, help me fix this system that was built on a dumb racist rule. Let's fix it, make it better. Right? How about the difference between crack cocaine um, sentencing and cocaine sentencing? That was blatantly based upon black and white. Black people smoked crack, percentage-wise, more. White people d- took cocaine, percentage-wise, more. So black people went to jail longer. I can either go, see, Matt, that's because you got white privilege and you should be mad or sad or whatever emotion I want you to feel. That's option one, in which case you go, go to hell, Larry. I don't like you anymore. Or I say, Matt, this was built on some racist stuff, man. Help me fix this system. Be my ally. You know what's wrong. Help me. And you go, you know what, Larry? You're right. It doesn't matter. If you if it's a bad law, let's fix it. And you join me and we fix it. I don't blame you for the law. You didn't write it. Joe Biden wrote it. <laughs> it wasn't you. It was Joe Biden, right? So I don't blame you. I instead bring you as my ally. And then when the other stuff affects you and you say, Larry, help me out to fix this system. I go, Matt, yeah, man, I'm on your side. You help me fix that crack cocaine thing. I'm going to help you fix your issue because we're all in it together. Yes, that's how you fix a systemic issue. You don't blame the individual. That's how you deal with You don't say you're all white supremacist. That makes everybody, it alienates everybody. But again, you can acknowledge that some of these things were built in because of that. That's true. Okay, let's fix it. How about that? I love that idea. So yes, Torrance says, 100% agree, Larry. If you're racist, be racist. Yes. Be open and honest about it so we know who to avoid. Freedom of thought. Yes. Totally agree. Look, Torrance, 
I'm going to go by your picture and make some assumptions. You've seen the closet racist. So have I. I don't like the closet racist. I like the open racist. If I'm going to deal with a racist, let me do the open guy. Because the open guy is going to tell me what he thinks right to my face. Right to my face. I'm going to know where he stands and when he stands and how he stands. And if he actually tells me that he's not going to hurt me, he's not going to hurt me because he doesn't care what I think. He's going to be honest. The closet racist is going to stab me in the back. The closet racist is going to hurt me. And I'm not going to see it coming. Yeah. The closet racist wants to bring me in so they can hurt me. The open racist wants me out of their life. I can do that. Like, I'm okay with that. You can have your life. I'll have mine. You can do your own thing. So if I have a choice, look, I would prefer no one to be racist. Of course. Of course I prefer that. But if I have a choice, give me the open one. Please, wear the armband. Put the hood on. I want to see it. Completely. Yes. Jonathan says, ho ho, they agree. Free speech lets us know who the real racists are. And we can avoid them. Yes. Not push them underground. Yes, yes, yes. Okras says, I use the phrases, those are bigoted thoughts or those are prejudiced positions. I avoid using the term racist at all costs. I love that idea. Way better. I've often used the phrase insensitive or could be taken as, because I want to have a conversation. Because here's the reality. If someone is actually a racist, they just triple down. Right? If I go, someone can say it's racist. What the hell with them people? Blah, blah, blah. Ah, okay. Thank you. You should put the armband on. I got you. Or they go, really? No, I didn't mean that. And the problem is right now in America, when you go, really? No, I didn't mean that. Someone goes, see that? You're this. And I don't do that. I go, yeah, no worries, man. I didn't think you meant that. Let's talk about this and see how people could take that. And then it's, we're good. We're good. That's important. And we're not doing that. And that's not just black and white. That's gay, straight, that's trans and cis. That's every kind of, that's Asian, Hispanic, that's Asian, black. All of us have thought processes and things that we can deal with, but we can't fix them without having conversations. And not just that. If you said something that could be taken as racist, if I give you the benefit of the doubt, even if you were a little bit, you're like, oh, Larry's not a jerk. Huh. Maybe those people aren't that bad. I have an actual chance to have a conversation. Yeah. David says you can't fight racism with racism or blame or assume they're racist. Correct. And that's why it's not working. And I got to tell you, and some of you are seeing this. As I just said, I was exaggerating a little bit, but not by much. I was saying the hard, loud left is a Nazi factory. It's a racist factory. I'm seeing people move towards that. I'm watching them around me. I live in New York City, a very liberal city. There are many people I'm I'm seeing who are feeling like the loud left is just too much for them. And they're walking away. And they're starting to think, I hear them. These are white people who say, everybody's racist. Uh, Don't tell me it's racist. They're doing that now. These are people that you go back six months ago, they wanted to win the woke Olympics. Like, they were all about it. They were like, they're gonna, I'm going to get a gold in the woke Olympics. It's that guy who now is like, oh, everybody's racist now. They've moved there. That if you now call that guy racist, he's like, yeah, I don't care. Go to hell. I'm racist. Fine, whatever. Like, it's not even an insult anymore. That's what point where they don't care. Yeah, I know I'm racist. Whatever. Go to hell. This is not healthy. 
This is not how it should work. This is not healthy. Lorenzo says, I respect an overt racist over a covert one. At least you know where the overt one stands. Yes. Yes. 100%. All Crash says, as for supremacists, uh, uh, I group them all together. I don't care if the supremacist is a Catalonian. Ooh, I like that. Or an Iranian or black. They're all supremacists. The pronouns don't matter. That's, that's cute. I like that. I like that. All right. Um... Uh, Logic says, nope, not exactly at all, Larry. The videos of white people kissing the boots of black guys because they're told are on YouTube. They exist, but it's very few. I mean, it, it's nowhere near what people are saying. It's very, it's, 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 not as, nowhere near as bad as, as I know people are saying. So yes, um, on Spotify now, the green room or just green room. Um, it's only, it, you have to check, it's a green room app. Yes, it's a green room app that's only on your phone. That's what it is. It's a green room app. Is that what 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 it's called? Shadow ban? Because I think I get shadow ban this once a month. Yeah, shadow ban means they change the algorithms. In it happens to me on YouTube. It happens to me all the time on Facebook. To where I'm considered one of the bad guys. Um, and when I'm one of the bad guys, um, I don't get shared. So yeah, that I don't show up. In, I don't show up. In people's um, in people's feed, that's what shadow banning is. So yes, Olga's amazing show. Show thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yes, um, I can't remember the name of the of the black man who befriends KKK members and has changed their minds on them. His name is Daryl Davis. Daryl Davis with one R. Daryl Davis. He is amazing. Yes, absolutely. So Tom says Larry and cartoons best Wednesday in a while. Thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. I have one more funny one which I think you 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 may uh, enjoy. Torrance says, there's a difference between being a nationalist and a supremacist. Yes. And also a white nationalist or white supremacist too. Yes, there is a difference. The nuance is, is critical. This one, believe it or not, is a, a funny one I'll just show you for a few minutes. It's an old one. This is from the 90s. You're going to be amazed when I show you. This is a show called Mr. Mr. Show with Bob and David from old HBO. And they had, at then, a supremacist who is trying to help everybody out. It is so odd and weird. You may enjoy it. If we work together, people, we can return America to her God-given glory. America first! America first! Okay. Now you look in here, and he's supposed to be a supremacist, but it's a very diverse crowd. Yes, this is a joke. Now here's what... This is what America's going to look like after the mandatory relocation is enforced. New York City will become known as Little Israel. I figure all the Jews will love that. Is that okay, Ms. Shapiro? That's fine, Ken. Okay. Now, down here is going to be... Now, you can't do this on TV anymore. But she, it's stereotypes and laughing about stereotypes. They'll get canceled for this now. See your new Africa. See your colors keep to that. They get uh, up in there. Ken, jump. I don't see a Virginia there. Oh, well, Chris, that was going to be part of Homo Arabia, which is over there. <laughs> you know, see them, uh, them homos get to sodomizing. Yeah, I'd kind of like to be by the beach. Well, okay, I guess, I guess the colors can have Virginia too. We'll annex that. Uh, and then... Can, can, yeah. can. <laughs> By the way, that's the guy, that, that actor right there to the left, that's the guy 
who voices SpongeBob. Yes, that guy voices SpongeBob. Where's Home Arabia now? Well, Josie, I was going to give it. Oh, I guess we could. And how about Mississippi? That's good. That's good. Ken, you had promised the West Coast. Well, yeah, but I'm going to need that. I'm going to need that for New New Delhi for them damn Indians. Where will you go, Ken? Well, hell if I know, Regent. I mean, you know, I was going to be over here, but the gays got it. So I guess I'll annex this, move this over, and make. I'll be here with the rest of the white race in New America. Will you keep in touch? Of course I will, Regent. You've been a dear friend, and I'll miss you terribly. All of you. Let's all promise to call and write often and use the internet for once. Now, this guy here, that's Bob Odenkirk, right? That's Better Call Saul. That's the actor. Better Call Saul. He's doing an Indian impression. You get canceled now. This show was a riot when it was on. It was on HBO in the 90s. You can't do this now. But this is some of the best way of dealing with racism. I'll get a wet Okay, okay. But let's stay focused, people. Okay, now our next act will be called Operation Hell on Earth. This is it, people. The time has come. The cleansing rain is nigh at hand. The cleansing rain. Okay, um, now, Operation Hell on Earth will consist of placing a 300-pound homemade bomb in a rented mm-hmm. van and explode it at an undisclosed location. Now, Miss Shapiro, you got the explosive plastic. Oh, I'm sorry, Ken. I didn't have time this week. I was preparing for the Hejaba Festival. Oh, I understand. Okay. I can't believe this. Ken <laughs> has time for you. That's okay, Regent. No! I seem to remember two weeks ago when your car broke down, Ken drove you around for a week like a chauffeur. I'm sorry. I was knitting the hookahs. I don't care. Listen, everybody. This is Ken's one thing. Operation Hell on the Earth. The victory of the white race. You know? Let's make it happen. Okay. So imagine this on now. Imagine this on now. Oh my God. Hey, thanks, Regis. I'll I'll pick up things. Uh, now, John, you rented the van. And uh, it was I, a- I didn't get around to it. I don't believe this. Ken gets around to helping you every two minutes when your basement floods with that damn sump pump of yours, you know? You have time for calling Ken, but you don't have time for calling to rent a stupid van. Well, soon, Regent. Soon, I, I... soon, you're a balloon. <laughs> All right, Regent. Hey, uh, Ken, I, I had an idea on the van thing. Uh-huh. Well, it's, it's about the bomb, actually, because that'll wreck the van, right? So let's do this. Let's get a recording of a loud boom, play that over some speakers, then scatter debris. I mean, then it's like an explosion, but... The van's okay. Hey, suggestion, make the debris biodegradable for the environment's sake. Yeah, but... Oh, also, also, let's make sure that it's after 8 o'clock so that none of our suppers are disturbed. Right, and could we keep the speakers low? You know, maybe maybe it shouldn't be a boom at all. Maybe it should be a song. You really dropped a bomb on me by the Gap Band or... Just a suggestion. Or something by Billy Ocean. Caribbean queen. Okay, fine. We'll play Caribbean queen at 8 o'clock from a rented van. uh, 8.15, we eat late. Okay, 8.15. Well, there's Operation Hell on Earth. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What's wrong, Ken? 
Oh, I just wanted an explosion is all, Regent. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm a failure. This ain't a proper hate group. Y'all don't hate nobody. Yes, we do! No, Regis, no, you don't. See, you gotta be taught to hate. It ain't gonna come natural. You know what? You gotta be taught to hate. Did you get what he just said? You gotta be taught to hate. All a joke, ha ha, funny, right? But it ends with you gotta be taught to hate. Because you do. Yeah, because you do. I mean, I may be a good hater, but I sure am a lousy teacher. In fact, the only thing I really hate right now is Ken, no, come back, Ken! Well, I guess that's it then. Okay, so now let's talk about the chocolate sale and fun fair. Oh, yeah. No, we're not going to talk about chocolate sale and fun fair. We are going to go through with this. That man is the greatest man I have ever known. We are going to go through with Operation Hell on the Earth for kids. And of course they do it. And there's the van. Thought you guys might enjoy that one. I actually saw that many years ago. Um, I think this was 70s or 80s. Is was a while ago. And by the way, those actors have moved on. The one guy uh, plays SpongeBob. And of course, we know the Better Call uh, Saul guy. So they're all out there doing that crazy stuff, which I thought was funny. But you can't do that now. And I think you should. You have to be able to have conversations. Or what are you doing? Right? What are you doing? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever so yeah brian says you can't do all in a family jefferson sanford and son either yes the problem is once you start talking about what is a stereotype or any of those things it's as if you automatically are being racist because you're bringing up the stereotype and i don't think we need to worry about that right i think we need to be much more concerned about are you having conversations about what people individually feel. And it's okay. I mean, you look at things, uh, if you look at the, um, like commercials, commercials that are typically on uh, radio stations or TV shows, something like that, where the the audience tends to be older, you have old commercials with old people in it because the people are old. Is that, is that ageist? No, it's the people who are there, right? That's the issue. It's the people who are there. That's it. So, all right, guys, I want to say thank you so much for all the time you gave me this evening. Remember that next week, I'm sorry, tomorrow, I'm sorry, tomorrow, we are going to be on Spotify Green Room. So please check that out. I will see you at seven tomorrow. Please take the world's small political quiz. And as always, like, comment, and share. I will see you guys all. Oh, I'll hear you guys all tomorrow.